I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Welcome to the Jade Boyd podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. As a business coach, I help overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with smart marketing strategies and seamless systems. On this podcast, we talk about all things marketing and productivity. If you're ready to strategically grow your business, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Jade Boyd Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have Jenny Roth, who is a copywriter who specializes in writing email copy for her clients. And I am so excited to have her on the podcast to ask her honestly some questions that I have about writing email sequences, but also to get the lay of the land for you to write your own sales email sequences and nurturing sequences too. So Jenny, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Jade. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Jenny Roth, like you said. Um, I live in a tiny town uh, in South Dakota called Roscoe, really tiny, like 200 people. Um, I'm married to Aaron. We've been married for 14 years. He's a farmer out here, so I'm really proud of him and everything he does. Um, I'm a mom to three daughters. Um, we have chickens, dog, cat. I live with little girls who love animals. So we have a lot of pets and um, a huge garden, houseplants, just love anything outside around here, camping, hiking, biking, anything active like that. Um, And I'm also the owner of my own business, which is Jenny Roth Copywriting, where I specialize in email sequences and sales pages for coaches and um, online service providers. (laughs) I really love all the plants and like the little (laughs) rustic cabin vibe that you have going on right there. It's so cute. Thank you. I know. Yeah, I think it's like a, you know, when you work on the computer a lot all day, you have to kind of balance that out with, you know, so I'm like, if I could just get outside and have some hobbies that force me to get out of this office, like it's a good day. Yeah. Oh, it's so necessary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's just dive right in because we have so much to talk about today. Um, So I kind of want to start by asking the question, who needs to be thinking about an email list? What types of business owners or businesses can benefit from this? Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. So, and I think it's literally on everybody's mind all the time because you hear so much about what you should do and, you know, email this and that. So I genuinely think that anyone can benefit from an email list. Like I know the obvious answer is like, coaches or um, people with courses or memberships, you know, they're launching things. Um, But also I think service providers and as a service provider myself, um, we can overlook the power of having our own private community, whether that's email list or a text list, um, so that we have this place where we can chat with our potential clients um, more personally, give value and educate and also like launch our services, right? So you know, like if you like a photographer or a copywriter, we can also, even if you don't have a course or a membership or a product, you can also launch your services to like book out your calendar. So, and your email list can also be a space for you down the road. If maybe someday you want to scale and add that um, coaching, add that membership. If you start um, building that email list now, it's like one less thing you have to do later (laughs) once you get to that point. So I think anyone can benefit from an email list, which is probably what you'd expect the email copywriter to say. Um, But I also think it depends on your audience too, right? So like, does your audience like consume email? 
Um, and also, are you looking to branch out from whatever social media platform or whatever marketing platform you're using right now? Like, are you looking for, like, are you set or is that going well for you? And you're looking to expand into another avenue of marketing for your business. I think email is a great way to do that. Some of the best email lists that um, I write for as a copywriter have amazing, amazing social media followings. And then they take that one step further um, on their email list. So I don't think it's like one or the other because like social media is like your party. And I always think of email like your after party, right? So like social media is like you're hanging out with everybody. You're generating all these new leads and those people that really want to hear from you, they want to hear from you more, like more consistently. They're really interested in what you have to say. It's like your after party, like your real friends. That's your email list. So I think anyone can benefit from it. And um yeah, that's a long-winded answer. Yeah, I love that analogy of the after party. And I specifically want to pull out what you said about where is your ideal client at? Because I think, like you said, at so many points, we're told we have to be doing this. We have to be on this social media platform. We have to be doing this marketing channel. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just a matter of where your audience is and where they want to connect with you. And I love the after party analogy. That's just fun. (laughs) Bring some fun to email. (laughs) It's so true. I feel that pressure too. Like you have to do this. Um, But I don't think it's true. I think like to start where it feels fun to you and where you feel most comfortable and like branch out and try email if you want to. I don't think it's like a and or or you have to do this or start here. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if somebody decides they do want to start an email list, what are kind of the first things that they should be thinking about? Yeah, that's an amazing question. So I'm in a uh, coaching program. My coach, is, her name's Tay Daniels. It's called the Breadwinner Energy Academy. And um, she really opened my eyes to what I was doing as a, um, a business owner, which is you start a business and your like first move is like open Instagram and start like an Instagram account and start like posting. Like that's where we all start. And she's like, but like, what is like, what is your goal of that? Like for most of us, our goal of being on social media, if we're a business, is to drive traffic to somewhere like your website or an email list, probably, or both one or the other. And so my first tip, honestly, would to be like, take a pause from the things you're doing on social media, because likely if you have a business, you're worried about social media a lot, like I am, we all are (laughs) posting and all of that. It's like, take a pause and think about like, what is the purpose of that? And if the purpose of you being on social media is to build a private community, is to like generate more leads and sales and in a place where you can launch to them, then maybe an email list is a good place for you to start. So like take a pause and think about that. Like, yeah, I think I do want this for my for my business, this place to sell my offers. I think I should, you know, sales are made a lot in email. So go there. Um, and another, um, so with that, like if you decide like, yeah, I'm going to do this email list, oftentimes, I think a lot of people know this, you usually start by giving, like making a freebie, a lead magnet, an opt-in, something that your audience can consume um, in exchange for their email list. Um, and then you would have an automated series of emails that goes out after that and they're in your sales funnel that way. So I guess the best tip would be like decide, like, is this where I'm going? Is this the direction? And then start with that lead magnet, that free offer, or it can even be a low ticket offer. Some really good email lists start with like, um, you know, something seven to $34, like a template, you know, or stock yep. photos that you buy. And then your audience is in that funnel behind it. So yeah. <laughs> so for your clients in the past, what types yeah. of lead generators have you seen convert the best? Because I know there's a lot of different options from doing like a PDF to a quiz to webinars. Like what are some of the strategies that you've seen work? Yeah, that's, um, I think about this all the time. (laughs) So um, one thing that I've been encouraged to do lately and that I've seen working a lot lately is, you know, there's always like the quiz, um, the checklist, the template, the download, which is good. It really depends on you and, and your audience. So I guess start there. Think about your signature offer or you know, your top of funnel offer, where you want your audience to go when they purchase from you. Um, Start there and then build backwards. What's the first step? Build your lead magnet off of what they need, like solve a problem for them, give them a quick win, (laughs) Um, help them take a first step in working with you. So start there. And then, you know, with checklists and templates and all that stuff, it's usually, it's like so easy. Like, I don't want to discourage anyone from doing that. But if you can take it one step further, like, 
um, my coach encouraged me, like I have a welcome email sequence template. She's like, can you take it one step further and make it into like a mini masterclass and walk people through this? So they're seeing your face or hearing your voice. And it just kind of like makes you stand out from the crowd a little bit when, you know, people are opting into things and they actually are hearing you and seeing you. Um, so that's a tip that I've been really leaning into is like, can you take that checklist, that free thing? Can you up it a notch? Can you make it a quick masterclass with it? Can you walk people through what they're seeing on your screen, do a mini training or even a mini podcast episode or a podcast series just to kind of take it up a little bit with voice or video? That is such a good idea. I feel like I could go this afternoon and put that into practice because it is so easy. You just record what's already in your head and I love the branding aspect of it, like building your personal brand and that no like trust factor on video, which is obviously very popular these days. So that's a really good tip. But I think on the other side of that, I think something that really holds entrepreneurs up is the technology side of things because recording a video is great, but there's so many other technology issues that, and decisions that you have to make. So what are some of the platforms that you use or you would suggest either for lead generators or mm -hmm. for email lists? Yeah. So for your lead generators, if you want to incorporate like video. So let's say, for example, you're a photographer and your lead magnet is like styling for your for your branding session or for your family session, plan outfit planning guide for your photography session. Like, could you take it up a notch and go like use? OK, here's an example. Loom is what I use. <laughs> I think it's like five dollars a month. You can record your screen. Could you go into Pinterest and show them how they can build their board of their outfits along with that guy? Just like walk them through it a little bit more. So Loom is a great resource, super easy. I'm not technical at all. Um, you can easily record your screen or your face with your screen with Loom. Um, my lead magnet, uh, I made it in Canva. I created it in Canva and Canva. I have the free version of that. Um, and you have the option to record and present. So I created a little mini slideshow in Canva and then I recorded it and I have a link that is when they click on um, my lead magnet, they go right to that link and can watch the slideshow right away. So those are two two tools that I've seen. And obviously, if you get more advanced, you know, people have Kajabi um, and different things like that. But if you're just starting out, Loom and Canva would be my go-tos. <laughs> yeah, I love mm -hmm. both those platforms. And specifically, one hack I found for Canva, I know I see a lot of the same templates on social media a lot, and I know immediately it's a Canva <laughs> graphic or a Canva template. So I've looked on Creative Market for some different templates for eBooks specifically, but also for Instagram templates. And you can grab one for like, you know, 12 to 15 bucks, very low ticket, but I found a couple that actually match my brand pretty closely and you can change the fonts and colors and stuff, but additional cool hack there for Canva. Yeah. No, that's cool. And Etsy too. I've seen some really oh, yeah. amazing things on Etsy, but yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything that makes it easier. And then on the email side, what are some mm -hmm. platforms that you suggest? Maybe a platform for somebody who's just starting out versus yeah. entrepreneur who's like scaling and has a large list. Yeah. So I am team Flowdesk all the way. Um, I think just the average small business owner, unless you are um, with a ton of different segments and a ton of things going on and you need to like use active campaign or some of the bigger ones, I, I advocate for Flowdesk a lot. Um, it's easy to use for non-techie people, which is me and non-design people, also me. Um, <laughs> super easy to put together and use. Um, I think it's $38 a month right now, which um, is super worth it. I think if you pay for a year, you get a month free. Um, but if you don't even want to do that, I know MailChimp is a good free version to start. And I know a lot of people also use ConvertKit. Um, but I have the most experience with Flowdesk and seems, um, my clients seem to love Flowdesk a lot too. Is there any point where you think an entrepreneur might outgrow Flowdesk? Because I've found, it works for everything that I need it to, but I'm mm -hmm. just looking down the line and wondering, is there a time where it's not going to have what I need it to have? Are there like mm -hmm. warning signs or like <laughs> things that might happen that would trigger me to think about a different platform? Gosh, not that I can think of. Like literally... Um, you can do, we've set up some advanced things in flow desks, like where people have to click to go into this segment or click here to go into drop into another segment. You can add, you know, different triggers and actions that move people around if you want to. So I honestly do not see that at all. Um, I've worked on email sequences and like active campaign and like more advanced 
I guess, um, more expensive anyway, um, Mm -hmm. email providers. And that's often been for um, real heavy e-commerce stores who want automatic messages to go out to people that have hovered on their website for a certain amount of time or automatic messages to go out when somebody says this to their chat bot. So unless you're like really automating like a lot of your upfront client communication in that like heavy kind of way, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. it's a huge relief because that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a while. So that makes me feel much much. better. (laughs) You can do so much with Flowdesk and they're always coming out with new stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I love the platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also want to talk about all of this terminology that we hear around email marketing and sales sequences and welcome sequences Mm -hmm. and nurturing emails and sales funnels. Can you kind of just clear up the lingo for us and describe what some of the key terminology is that we should know about? Yeah. Yeah. That's confusing, right? So same. Okay. So at the top of your email funnel, people will call that a lead magnet, a freebie, an opt-in. That just, like we already said, is like something you create in exchange for an email address and you'll hear it called all those things. (laughs) Um, And so then you can have a welcome sequence, which basically means after somebody opts into your email list, it's a series of emails that goes out to them automatically. You set that up in Flowdesk or MailChimp and it goes one time and they go out automatically to your new subscriber. People call that a welcome sequence or a nurture sequence. Um, and then you often hear a term sales sequence, which to me, um, or launch sequence means you have an email list, you've been communicating with that list for a while, and now you have your opening Um, doors to your program or you are opening doors to your mini branding sessions and you want to launch something to that existing list. So the way I set it up, and there's a a million ways. I've seen a million. So I don't want people to get stuck on that. Like what, how many emails do I need and how do I do it? Like I've seen really good email sequences with like 25 emails and I've seen really good email sequences with like four emails. So there's no, there's no right way or wrong way around it. But um, the way I set it up, for clients and for my, my own business is you have that lead magnet. Somebody's on your email list. They go into like a welcome nurture slash sales sequence where it's usually depending on your business between six to nine emails in length. And it does all the things It welcomes the client. It delivers the, you know, I know we're going to get more in depth into what each email does, but it, it welcomes the client onto your list. It nurtures them, shows them case studies, testimonials, your best content and value, and it leads to your pitch. And then after that, they're just get your regular newsletters whenever you send them out. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into it. So in that welcome sequence, what are Mm -hmm. the six to nine emails that we should be thinking about? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So if you're setting this up for yourself, one thing to think about is, okay, before you even jump into them, one thing I want to quickly tell your audience to think about is anytime you write an email, think of the rule of one. So in each email, imagine writing to one client. You're talking about one thing and you're going to have one call to action that just eliminates so much of the like, but what do I say? Like just one thing for one person. (laughs) So in that very first email that you send out, you're going to want to deliver that lead magnet or that free thing. Um, So this email should be like exciting, like free stock photos, like coming in hot, free stock photos. Like did someone order a free template? Like here you go, you know, so and in this email, you're just going to deliver that free thing. Be like, here it is. Here you go. Like check you later. So you don't want to give them a a huge mistake. I see not a mistake, but a huge thing that could be better in this email is like, don't deliver the lead magnet and then be like, and follow me on Instagram. And by the way, here's five facts about me. You know what I mean? Just give them that free thing and let them consume it. It's easier. It's the rule of one. So the second email in that sequence is where you can introduce yourself. Um, You're going to share a little bit about you and why you're the person to help them. And you know, your, your story. So this email, like I like to keep this email really real. Like I often use a subject line that's like the elephant in the room and like <laughs> and tell people like, hey, yeah, you're you are in you're getting this email because yesterday you opted in. Um, another thing to note is I send all these emails within 24 hours of each other. Um, I think it's really important. Like if somebody's excited to hear from you, they've got your free thing. Like don't make them wait a week to hear from you. Like send out your emails within a day 
or your two days if it makes you feel more comfortable. Like send send them through your sequence quickly. Oh, that's so good. Because if you're like me, I opt into everything. I made a rule at one point that I wouldn't opt into things, but I, it's just so easy to do and yeah. I'm a sucker for learning. And so, yeah, if somebody waits a week to email me, I will completely forget because I opt into so many things. That's so good. Yes, you could even send a second email out like 12 hours later, I've gotten sequences where they deliver the lead magnet. And then that night I get to hear more about that person. And they're like, you said, they're fresh in your mind. Yeah. So keep it rolling. Um, so, so this email is like, you signed up, you know, for my thing yesterday. And so this is a little bit about me. This is who I am. This is how I can help you. This is what you can expect to be on my email list. I always tell the person, um, my reader in this email, like over the next week, you're going to be hearing from me a lot. At the end, I'm going to pitch to you this program. Um, and after that, you'll hear from me every Monday morning or whatever. Just kind of tell them what to expect. And you can link to your about me page um, so they can go to your website, learn more about you. So that's kind of email number two. Then the next two emails, email number three and number four, again, send them out really quick. I kind of call them like value stack emails. I think both of these should be pieces of your most valuable educational content to your reader. So this is where you are showing them you're the expert. This is where you're linking to your best podcast. This is where you are linking to your best blog post. This is where you're telling them, showing them like all these nuggets of information, giving them quick wins. That's emails number three and number four. Um, email number five, I like to make your best case study or client testimonial. So they've got your free thing. They know about you. They've seen your content in action. You've hinted at the beginning and even in the PS that you have this um, service program offer that they can join now or hear a pitch about later. You're building, building up to all of that stuff. Email number five, you're going to showcase that testimonial, your best one. So that means like um, not just like a rave, like, oh, working with Jade was so fun. She's the best. Like <laughs> more like more like a testimonial that shows results. Like after Jade took my photos, I got three new, you know, connections on LinkedIn and my Instagram engagement went up um, 75%, like really show people and walk them through that. Then the next email after that email number six in the sequence is going to be your pitch. It's where you're going to be like, you know, I've led you up to this. This is the offer. This is how it is, you know, get in now. Um, and then uh, email number seven, this is kind of optional, but I think it's fun. After you send them your pitch, um, I always like to send out a thank you. Thank your reader for being on your list. Let them know they've made it to the end of the sequence. Um, going forward, um, they are going to hear from you, however, you know, monthly, weekly, whatever that is for you. And I always give deliver something free here, whether that's a piece of content. Um, for me in my own sequence, it's a uh, an email sequence template, a little mini one. Could be stock photos, Canva templates, just something exclusive to that email list to be like, hey, thanks. Like, I know you have a lot of places to be and you chose to be here. Thank you. And that's it in a nutshell. And it can be longer or shorter, you know, based on how many services you have and what, whatever, but that's the bones of it. <laughs> yeah, this was super helpful. I've heard from a lot of different people on how to do sales sequences. And like you said, everybody does it a little bit oh, yeah. different, but there's common themes in what everybody does. And ultimately it's about building that relationship and the trust and credibility and asking for the sale right away. Like when the lead is high and I love how you laid it out. That is super helpful to see it step-by-step. Step. I think specifically for people who haven't started an email list, mm -hmm. because it can be overwhelming if you try to Google how to set up an email list, yeah. you will just spend hours and hours trying to figure out what is even the next step. So I love how you broke it down. And kind of a follow-up question I want to ask, how do you determine what that signature offering should be for mm -hmm. this first sequence? I'm specifically thinking about creative entrepreneurs who maybe do multiple things. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm prime example, like I do photography and mm -hmm. I do um, business consulting or coaching. And so I have multiple quote unquote, signature offers, but how do you decide what to go to first? Such a good question. So like for you, Jade, so if you have like photography clients and then coaching clients over here, that might even be two separate funnels, right? Like someone who's going to hire you um, as, as their photographer, maybe would come in you know, at, at the top of a different lead magnet and go through a different funnel to work with you. And then if they're going to work with you for coaching, maybe that's a different avenue. Or another thing you can do is that sequence I like walked you through just now, pick one, like what's the 
what's your low ticket way to work with you? What's the, what's the entry way to work with you? Like for, like, for example, I just wrote one for a designer and we made her, um, her welcome sequence all about her designer, like her VIP day, because that's like people's often their entry point to working with her. Um, and once they do that, then maybe later down the road, they're like, oh yeah, I need a full rebrand. Um, so you could start with that entry point of working with you and you can add on, like after they're off that, you know, um, first sequence, you can talk about, you can make it longer. You can extend it and go into your signature sequence if you want. So I think um, just a good rule of thumb is like, where do you want people to go first? Start start there and you can expand the sequence to add on like three or four emails leading to your signature offer if you want to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that totally makes sense. What about mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs who maybe have the same service, but they package it in different ways? Mm-hmm. So a, a coach, for example, who has a coaching program and a digital course and like a pocket product, mm-hmm. what would you do in that instance? Yeah, I think what I would do in that instance is maybe your pocket product can be at the very top of your funnel. Maybe that can even be their entry to your funnel, um, a pocket product, and then into your into your program. And then when somebody goes through your course, your program, maybe that's where you get your one-on-one coaching from them. So it kind of is going to depend on you and, and your funnel, right? So you'll have to have it, like you'll have to have some strategy there and think about like, you know, do people often come to your, one-on-one coaching before they go through your course or not? Like kind of think about that customer journey a little bit and think about, no, usually usually my one-on-one coaches come from being in my mastermind first. In that case, like let's get them in your mastermind, right? And then you can do that later. So um, same thing, you'll have to think like, even if you have pocket products, that again, like maybe your funnel is set up for your program. And then now you have these people in here. Well, you can talk about your pocket products all day long. You can talk about that, Next week, you can run a 24-hour flash sale on your pocket product, and they're on your list for that, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of want to tie this also into marketing strategy because yes. I think so much of what you said was so helpful in different areas of business, too, because before you even create these products, I think you should be thinking about all the things you just said. Yeah. I think. I'm guilty of this, but a lot of creative entrepreneurs are, we'll get these ideas that are super exciting and we can do them. So we do them without thinking about, okay, well, how does this tie into everything else I'm doing and how can I create this cohesive like experience Mm -hmm. and deliver value in multiple ways that actually make sense for my customers and not like be sporadically marketing (laughs) and serving them. And I think it's really easy to do, but everything you just said in terms of thinking about your email structure, I think it's Mm -hmm. also important to think about that structure when you're creating too. It's like your offer suite, right? It's like your offer suite. How do people get into your private community? What's their low ticket entry to work with you? What's next and what's high ticket, right? What's signature? And you can have different funnels too. Like I work with plenty of clients who have one funnel leading to this course over here and another funnel leading to a product. And depending on what people want, like those are two totally different lead magnets, you know. So somebody who wants to learn how to make reels is going to jump into a lead magnet on that and get the reels product. Somebody who wants to learn Instagram strategy is going to jump into the like Instagram checklist and, and be led to the Instagram engagement course, right? So you can have multiple funnels set up, you know. Yeah, for sure. So once we have these people on our email list, we've pitched them. Now it's time to nurture them. So can you tell us a little bit about what nurture emails look like? I know there's also a lot of varying opinions on how often you need to email people and what should you send them. And I think that oftentimes, like we already talked about, people get overwhelmed by being told, I need to be doing this and I need to be emailing this often. But what are some of the guidelines that you would give for us? Yeah, I hear this all the time and I feel it. So I'm thankful that you asked. Um, So... Um, I learned this from Tarzan Kay. She's an amazing email copywriter. She has a program called Email Stars, if anyone's interested. We can link Um, it in the show notes. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, So for me, I think a weekly consistent email is like, I'd I'd argue for it any day, right? (laughs) Even if you just have a tiny email list, even if you're just starting out, if you are engaging with that list every week, you are building a very, very solid foundation and relationship for when that list grows, when you have something to sell to that list. So um, I send out an email every Monday morning. It's like to my list, it's like breathing, like it's just automatic. So for me, that weekly consistent email, um, and that's just my personality too. Like 
the blogs and the the people I like to follow, like I love to know on Wednesday they drop a new podcast episode. Like I wait for it, right? So that consistency, that's just my personality. But with that being said, your email list, when you're thinking about like how often do I need to write to them and all that stuff, think about two questions. Like one, like what is the purpose of your email list for your reader? right? Like what's the purpose of it for them? Like what are they getting? Like why are they there? What are they getting for them out of it, right? So there's really good email lists that send an email daily because like it's a daily quote or a daily recipe and the people are there for that. It makes sense to do that every day. For most of us, it doesn't, but you know what I mean? What's the purpose for them? Um, Are you somebody who uh, you, you crochet or you have a blog on crocheting? Well, maybe every month you send out free patterns through your email list and that makes sense for your reader, right? That, that's like what they want to consume and that makes sense. So think about what's the purpose of the list for your client, your reader, and then also what is the purpose of this email list for you as the business owner? Like why Like why do you have this email list? Are you going to sell to them? Um, if you are, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just like never, like they never hear from you and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, buy my thing. Like that won't work, right? So if you do plan to sell to them, you, you're going to have to build that relationship and that'll determine how often you email as well, right? I don't think you could have a successful like sales or launches to email us if you stay in touch every month or every three months, right? Yeah. So what's the purpose for your client and what's the purpose um, for you? And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of content in those weekly emails, I've seen it done a few different ways. I see some business owners who only repurpose content. So they'll send all of the podcasts and blog posts and like Instagram highlights that they had from the week. And I've seen entrepreneurs who create unique content for their email list. So they're creating for email first. And I've seen people who do a mix of kind of both. What are your tips and suggestions? Is there a strategy that you see works better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a good strategy to just email your list every week and say, read my blog, read my podcast, check out my latest post. There's no curiosity built for your reader. There's no, there's no excitement, right? So like if your reader's going to show up to your email with interest and effort to read it, like you might as well put some, like some effort and spark into, into what they're going to get. Cause that's going to come across the page. So yeah, definitely have some emails where you're like, I was on this podcast. I'm going to have an email. I was on Jade's podcast, you know, <laughs> check, it out. check it out, like have those and invite people to listen and read and watch your reel. But I don't think that can be your only strategy. Like, oh, I have my email list. I'm just going to dump my reels over there. Mm. I think people will, will lose engagement and quit reading. So how I do it for myself and how I do it for my clients. And this is nothing new. I think this is, this concept's been around forever, but once, so once a quarter, I plan my content for the quarter. That doesn't mean I write it. It means I know every week in that quarter, I know what I'm going to talk about that week. I have a brief outline of the idea and I have the call to action that that's going to go to. I have all that for the quarter. So when I sit down on Monday, February 7th, I already know what my topic's going to be. So I don't have to think of a topic and then write it. That's like so horrible. Then every week (laughs) I write a hero piece and that can be different for everybody. For me, it's a blog post for you. It could be a podcast episode. It could be a YouTube video, um, whatever. I make one hero piece of content. And from that hero piece of content, I create from that theme, I create an email and I create two or three social media posts, however many I can get. I think about, can this be a reel? I suck at making reels. I'm not going to lie. I don't make reels. But if I did, I would make it into a reel. I would, um, and my clients do that too. Like we, we write the hero piece. It's their podcast script. We talk about the topic in email and social. And you can mix it up. Like you can have, you know, one week you're talking, you deliver it to your email list first. And then the next week it goes out on social media, that theme. So it's staggered a little bit. But that's kind of a way you can repurpose your content and not also be on this, like, so it's engaging for your readers and also you're not on this constant machine where you're like, I have a blog post over here on this topic, an email I have to write about this and then three socials about this. It's like maddening, right? So that's the way I repurpose for my clients. And um, so far it's working well. And, and honestly, I usually start with the email a lot too and then just create like lengthen it or turn it into a blog post because email, you know, it's my jam. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. When you said like your pillar content is blogging, I Mm -hmm. thought immediately, obviously, but that would Mm -hmm. never be mine because I hate writing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can take whatever you're talking about and, you know, start where you're comfortable, right? Like, so if it is making reels, if it is video, if it is audio, you have a theme, like 
you can take that and, and spread it across other areas. Yeah. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. And I am actually recording the second podcast episode for this month is how I plan my monthly content. And it is very similar. I definitely believe in batching and planning ahead because there's nothing worse than saying I have to write an email today and having no idea what to write. Yes. But it's so easy if you sit down and think about it ahead of time. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I know. I, th- I think it's like it separates the tasks in your brain or whatever. But for yeah. me, I have to do it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And it leaves room for inspiration, right? That's not to say like you don't – something doesn't come up and you're like, oh, I have to share this. Well, then do it. You know, that right. leaves room for those bursts of inspiration, you know? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Another roadblock maybe that people have when it comes to email is – well, I might combine a couple. So one, email is dead <laughs> or two <laughs> – Email is just spammy and it feels mm-hmm. gross to like sell over email. So what are some ways that entrepreneurs can kind of approach that and make their emails less spammy and more relational yeah. and engaging, right? Yeah. Email's not dead. People still read it. But how do you how do you make it this like living, breathing content piece and not mm-hmm. just something that gets deleted? Yeah. So good. So a couple of things. So I think we talked about this already, but don't just email your list when you're going to sell something. That's I think that's rule number one. Like, like, hey, haven't heard from me in three months. Want to buy my thing? Like, eh, like, so don't do that because it probably doesn't feel good to you. It doesn't feel good when someone does that to you. <laughs> it's just right. Like, yeah. So it's relationship building, right? And people buy from brands, from personal brands. So so be that personal brand in your email, right? Like share your story, your life, what's new, um, um, all of that. So don't just email email people when you're selling. And when you're talking to people, um, Liz Wilcox is a really good email copywriter. She thinks about sending um, your email lists when you're talking to people on your email as if you were bumping into a good friend at the grocery store. Like, so you don't have to give like this long, detailed like life lesson every time you email. It can be more like, hey, Sam, oh my gosh, it's so cold here. I can't wait, whatever. What's new with you? I have this new thing coming, blah. Like you can just make that grocery store run. Like, so think about that. Um, Are there any, I want to pause before we move (laughs) on because I know that that comes really easily to you. But for a lot of us, it doesn't. Even when you're talking about that first email in the sequence where you should make it exciting and not just say, here's your lead generator. I'm pretty sure that's what mine says. Like, here's the thing you wanted. (laughs) So how do you get into that mindset? Mm -hmm. Or like, what are some tricks that you have to be able to write like you speak? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So this is going to be, this was going to be the next thing I was going to say here is like, be yourself and write how you talk. So, and if literally, if that means you talk into a voice recorder app and type it out, do it. Like I've done that before. Um, so like if you had a customer in front of you, if, if that's intimidating, if you had your best friend, you know, like that friend, that partner who, you know, will never judge you or think what you say is weird, whatever. If you had that person in front of you, like think about it. Like, how would you, how would you talk to her? Would you you know, would you be like, here's your, here is your lead generator, you know, or would you be like, or, you know, would you be like, and you know, sales language, this is where it gets really hard too. It's like, would you say something like you want a better life, but you know, you just can't get organized. Like you don't talk like that in real, you don't talk like that. It's like forceful. Or would you, or in real, maybe you do, or in real life, would you be more like, oh my gosh, you know, when my kids were little, I had goldfish crackers and, and, and pretzels and cereals spilling out of my pantry. And I was carrying all these groceries one day and I slipped and I fell an old lady down. It was just, my kids were laughing and I realized like I needed some help. And it started me on this journey of organizing my pantry. And now I organize for others. And I'd love to share you about what I've learned about not having a pantry that's blowing up. You know what I mean? Like, how do you talk to that person that you hold dear, you know? So how do you talk to other people? And also, Um, this is pretty deep, but how you talk to yourself, right? Like how you talk about yourself. So if you're showing up, like what I say is dumb, I'm not creative, like I'm not funny, I can't do this. Like the the stories you tell about yourself to yourself matter too. So like you can have fun and you can can be yourself. The people on your email list that matter, they want to be there because it's your email list. That is so good. And I've never heard that the mindset part about writing email because I think it's so easy to fall into the trap. It's almost like a competition on who can make fun of themselves the worst sometimes. You know, we want to be humble and not brag or think that we're the best. But I think some of those mindsets are very dangerous and they prevent us from succeeding in areas that we could 
just because we're telling ourselves that we'd never be good at it or we'd never be able to do it. And I feel like even within this episode, I've fallen into some of those traps because it is writing is not my first strength. I will say that even speaking, I think comes before writing, which is why I'm on this podcast. And then I write (laughs) the blogs later, (laughs) the emails later. Um, But I also think that you just have a special talent for storytelling too, even the story that you just came up with. And when it comes to branding, storytelling is so engaging. And so it expedites that relationship building process when you're able to tell that story that you can that your ideal client relates to. So even what you just pulled up now, like my mind is blown. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. It's true. It's for me, I often sit down to write. Ready for my own business is hard. You and I talked about this, Jade, before we started recording. It's the hardest to write for your own business. So if you sit down to write for your business and you think like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Like I feel so weird. You feel all these things like please know that that's normal. Like I write for, like I write for a living. And I guarantee you people who are very, very successful feel that way when they sit down to write. So you just have to, like that comes up and you just have to remember like it's your business and you, you built it so you can do things your way. And so you can speak to your client your way, you know, so have fun with it. You know, don't worry about making a mistake. So what you can, you can start over. <laughs> if there's no rules, it's your list, you know. Yes. So if there's a step one for our listeners, I think we found it. (laughs) Let's change our mindset first. Um, I have another kind of logistical question. So is it important to be sending the same email template every time you send an email or is it okay to mix it up? I know Flowdesk has lots of pretty options and it is tempting to go in and just try them all. But what would you suggest? I am, gosh, I don't know. But for me, I... I use the same template every time personally, just because it's easier for me Um, because like, and you know, designing and tech and all of that. So for me, I totally think if you use the same template um, every email, yeah, your clients or your readers start to recognize that they recognize your, your photo or your logo and your colors. And I think definitely start with the template. And if you want to switch it up, switch it up. But um, I don't know who doesn't think a template's easier. So maybe I'm just being lazy. (laughs) No, I was thinking the same thing. And I do recognize when I open certain emails, I will, I mean, I just click on my emails mindlessly sometimes and I'll recognize the brand right away before Mm -hmm. I read anything, which I think is really interesting. It does implement that brand recognition. But sometimes I think to myself, should I be mixing it up or should I try something different? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you can always swap in different photos or different like things, you know, but I think a template is great. I really do. Cool. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. I love it. (laughs) What? is the perfect formula when it comes to email subject lines. It's one of the most important parts about email marketing. I feel like it's a really hard thing to do Mm -hmm. for people who aren't um, wordsmiths. Let's put it like that. So what are are some of the things that we should be doing or shouldn't be doing in email Mm -hmm. subject lines? Yeah, I know subject lines are hard because they're short and you have to pack everything in there. It just feels like um, this this loaded pressure, right? So um, Abby Peretz is a a writer I've learned from as well. And she makes a really good point. Um, I will give you tips on writing good subject lines, but she always says, don't worry about your subject line so much for one reason that think about when you scroll through through your inbox, are you reading subject lines or are you reading who it's from? Most of us were reading who the email's from, right? Like even if you could write the best subject line in the world, and if it's really me, if I'm really like, craving how to make a green matcha tea, then I will, and your, and your subject line is how to make a green matcha tea. Well, yeah, like I'm going to open that even if I don't know you probably, but most of the time you, you know who you look forward to hearing from in your inbox and you're clicking on their emails, no matter what they say, you know? So think about that, like take the pressure off your people want to hear from you. You, you cannot say the wrong thing. Um, Another tip that I would have is like, anytime you write a subject line, read it and think, would I open this email? is like what I feel like enticed to take time out of my life to dive into this email today or not. And if the answer is or not, like give it another go. Um, Build curiosity. Um, Always, always like curiosity. As long as you deliver what you say, right? Don't be like how to make 10K months and then like your emails about baking or whatever. You know what I mean? mean? Completely random. Yeah. (laughs) Build that curiosity and lead to something true. Like, well, that didn't go well or not making 5k months, do this. If you're ever stuck on building curiosity, add the word this. How to, um, you want better brand photos, do this. <laughs> it's like, do what, you know? So that's a good tip for building curiosity. I love that. Stuck. Yeah. 
um, different subject lines that are different. I've been writing these for clients and these are the ones I'm opening to where it's like nothing I've seen before. Um, just to spark interest. Like I've re- I wrote one for a client <laughs> recently that said, um, girl, calm your, calm your tatas. And it was so hilarious. And it led <laughs> to a story. And I guarantee her readers do not have another subject line like that in their inbox in, you know, in their inbox. And they're going to click. It's curious. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, and also I've been noticing emails. I know in copywriting, we've all heard to use that you language, like talk to your client, like you want to do this. So you should do that, you know, mm-hmm. but actually what we've been seeing on email lists that we, that we follow and track the click and the open rates is when you talk about yourself, they are getting more open rates, which just shows that people want to hear from a person, a personal brand. So instead of being like how to earn 10 K months, you could say something like my first 10 K month. Or like how to batch reels, tell them my reels batching system. Or like, instead of being like your guide to planning content this quarter, be like how I plan my content this quarter. You know what I mean? People want to like, we're all, we all want to know more about what real people are doing. So those, that's a long minute. That is super interesting. (laughs) I have like my own hypotheses for why that might be the case, but do you have any ideas? Okay. I'm curious to hear what you think. My, my idea is that consumers and people like we're smart so when you see like for me personally when I see like bullet points that say you want to do this but you can't figure out how to do this you feel this way but you don't like I already know that I'm in a instantly my brain goes I'm in a sales pitch and I kind of shut down but when I hear somebody being like man batching reels for me used to suck and this is what I do now and here's how I do it and if you think that'll work for you here's my here's my course next week and I'm going to show you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I just think we just want to cut through the, the BS, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because in your specific example that you gave, how to make 10K months, I feel like I see stuff like that all the time on social media and like, do this, do that. And I hate reading those things because yeah. it, it's overwhelming. I just get overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, that's another thing that I'm not doing perfectly yes. that I need to add to the list. But like you said, on the personal branding aspect, we are just so curious about what other people's experiences are. But I often think as entrepreneurs, we're told like in order to build a personal brand, you have to make yourself the expert, you know, and to be the expert, you have to tell people what to do. But that's not necessarily the case. I think there's a lot of value in sharing what worked for you and letting other people decide what is going to work for them. And what I really appreciate is throughout this episode, you haven't answered questions and like, okay, yes, you send it one time a week, but instead you're answering (laughs) like, well, to see how often to send it, ask these two questions to yourself and like make a decision that works for your business. And I so appreciate that because I do think that the messaging and like modern digital marketing Mm -hmm. is coming at small business owners so hard (laughs) that it can be super overwhelming. But I, agree. I didn't know that like the you versus I thing, the engagement mm-hmm. was different because I've also always heard say you, say you because yes. it is more captivating or pulls them in. But so interesting. It is. And I think about it like a personal brand you follow and they're telling you like what worked for them. You trust them, right? You know, if it's yeah. somebody, you're on their email list and you read their emails, you trust them. And so if they're telling you the steps they took to batch reels or to hit 20K months or whatever – you're paying attention and it's just such a more human way to talk to somebody versus like, okay, to make, like, just like you said, to make 23 months, you got to do this and this and this, like you can do it this way and I can show you or you could, you know what I mean? So I totally hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And it's so mm-hmm. funny. I think um, even back to when I was first starting out, I had this idea that, okay, I'm a business now. Now I have to act mm-hmm. super professional and have all my stuff together. And I picked a business name that wasn't my name. And it didn't work very well. And now I'm just myself being ridiculous on Instagram and just showing up and saying whatever is going on that day. And then I'm building trust and making sales. Like it almost seems really backwards. But I think especially when you're starting out, you feel like you should be more official and Mm -hmm. speak in a certain way and act a certain way. But really people just trust people. Exactly. And And when you're yourself, it comes across on the page. So if you use exclamation marks, do it. If you... I've heard crazy advice, like only use one emoji in your subject lines, like random things. Like if you're an emoji person, load those emojis up, you know, and if you are a buttoned up professional and that's your audience, be that person. Don't think you have to be more fun to be liked. I mean, just if you're having fun engaging with your audience and being yourself, it will like you can feel that when you read that from somebody, right? Or when you when you engage with somebody who's like that and your audience can feel it too. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. On the exclamation point, 
thing. So I've also heard that you're not supposed to use exclamation points in email subject lines. Is that true or false? I don't know. I would say false for sure. Okay. (laughs) That's good to know. I use them all the time. I use them all the time. Again, unless it has, unless your email subject lines are full of sparklies, exclamation points. And when someone meets you, you're like, hello, I am Jade. And you don't talk that way, then don't do it then. But if it's you, then yes, I definitely, I I say do it. And I haven't I feel any like harm done. <laughs> we should all just start emailing Jenny the random rules and advice that we've received. Yeah. And you should do your own blog post on like all the things that are rules that aren't actually rules. <laughs> I know. That would be a great list if we all put that together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we'll link your information you. in the show notes. So if anyone has a good one, feel free to send it to Jenny. <laughs> I do have a couple questions to wrap up. So I did ask my Instagram audience today if they had any specific questions for you. And the couple that came up were, one, how much should should someone starting out expect to invest in hiring a copywriter? And two, what is your process for working with people? Because I think there's this misconception that nobody can write like I speak because only I can do it. Mm -hmm. It's my voice. I need to do it. And how do they offload that so that you can write in their voice too? Yeah. So cool. Okay. So um, first thing, if you hire a copywriter, you probably know if you've looked, it's not like the cheapest thing in the world. (laughs) Um, Copywriting, um, a lot goes into it, but it is something that if you have a piece of copy, a sales page or a website, um, I think the reason it's expensive is because it's so much more than just words on the page. So before I, and this is how copywriters sound like you and, and develop your brand voice and take all the things spinning around in your head and and create them into words that your clients resonate with is before you write anything, there's so much that goes into it. Um, Market research, consuming other content that the business owner has created, um, tons of market research, interviewing past clients, diving into testimonials, researching that niche and figuring out what clients are wondering about. What are people asking? What are people curious about? Um, helping you, the business owner, pull out your program promise, you know, like what are you really delivering here and in, in, in a succinct way, um, helping you hone that brand voice and really get clear on that ideal client, right? Because you can say like, you know, as a business owner, you can say my audience is entrepreneurs. It's like, okay, is it entrepreneurs who are trying to get their first client? Is it stay at home moms who are trying to work in the cracks of their day? Like what kind of entrepreneur are we talking about? Like, let's get, let's get down to it, right? Like who is this client? What's your offer? What's your program offer or your service promise? And how do you deliver that? And putting that all together in a way that is in your client's language that resonates with them, that makes them feel heard. Like, oh, that flat was literally in my head, you know? Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you swear. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. So so all of that goes in and then into the writing, right? And then into weaving it all together. Um, And a client, you know, everything you read is a story. So you have to meet the reader where they're at and then take them to what's possible. And then all of these things go into copy. Um, So the process of that with a copywriter is, you know, you meet with them. Probably they're going to have you fill out some kind of questionnaire to get the bones of your ideas and your thoughts on the paper. Then they're going to have a phone call with you where you feel like you are a guest on a podcast and you ask all these questions as they dive into things. They're going to do a ton of research, market research on your behalf or gather that if you've already done it. And then they do the writing and then you have time for edits. So you can go in and be like, oh, I actually never say that. Can we switch? Or I always add this or whatever to get it right. So that's that's kind of the process um, of working with a copywriter. To start with working with a copywriter, it depends on what you're doing. You know, if you're doing like a full... Like for maybe your listeners, like if you're doing a sales page, I think you could expect to invest anywhere between two and $3,000. For my clients who I do like monthly emails, like I write their emails, blog posts, and social media captions every month. It starts at $1,200 a month and goes all the way up to $1,800 a month. They have their done for you content. Um, But the good news is a lot of copywriters, you know, if you're not ready to invest in that, there's payment plans. Most copywriters I know have payment plans. And also... Most copywriters who have a done-for-you service also have templates you can use, right? There's there's tons of templates out there that if you are plugging and playing your copy that can be helpful to you. So it is very possible to have good copy, whether you're doing it yourself or you get to the point where you're like, hire that out. 
Yeah. So how do you get into the habit and writing in different clients' voices? Is that hard for you as a copywriter to kind of bounce between personalities almost? Oh my gosh. Sometimes it's like, (laughs) sometimes it's weird. You know, it's a weird, um, I don't know if weird is the right word, but it's a close relationship you have with your writer because you're telling them your stories and trusting them with that knowledge and trusting them to deliver that into the world. So is it hard? No, it's, it's, it is and it's fun. Like I write for businesses who I genuinely, like if I didn't write for that business, I'd be their biggest cheerleader. Like I'm behind what they do. Um, I get what they do. I probably could be their client or could have been at one time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like I get who they're talking to. And also that's a part of being a writer that's fun. It's like you don't have to be one thing when you grow up. You can be a lot of things because you write for different businesses and you get to dive into their world. And for me, that's always been very fascinating that all the different career choices and that people can take and how they build their life around different work. That's fascinating to me. So I like to dive into that and, and see what people do. So let's go into the bonus round. So I just have a few fun questions to wrap up our conversation today. Um, so the first one is, what is one of the one of your favorite books that you have read recently? Yeah, um, I'm a huge reader. My favorite book of all time is Peace Like a River um, by Leif Anger. It's a fiction book. It takes place in North Dakota and Minnesota, so our neck of the woods um, in the 60s. Um, it's such a beautiful read. The author's from Minnesota, I believe. Um, uh, it's a story of a father raising his kids um, and their story. And they deal with a situation where the daughter is threatened uh, with a bully, like a serious situation. And it's about consequences of standing up to to that and for people in your life and, you know, how it, the consequences of that and how it's worth it. And just this fine line between right and wrong and what it means to put yourself before others. Such a beautiful read. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm always mm-hmm. looking for fiction books because I'm kind of a nonfiction junkie, but I need yeah. to break it up sometimes. <laughs> Same here. Same here. <laughs> what about a favorite podcast that you've been listening to? Yeah. Um, I also love podcasts. Um, so this is funny. I love the podcast Angels in Awakening by Julie Jancis, which is like uh, she's an angel like medium. And so <laughs> she has people on the show, like sharing these amazing stories of loved ones on the other side and things that have happened to them in near death situations. And I just binge out on it. It's so cool, but not, it's not freaky. You know what I mean? It's very gentle and like uplifting. So I love her show. And then the breadwinner energy podcast by Tay Daniels. She's a mom in the Midwest and one of my coaches too. And, uh, uh, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to link that in the show notes because you mentioned her a couple times. Yeah. Um, how about your favorite productivity tool? Yeah. I feel like you are a good expert on this and I should ask you. I <laughs> for productivity. I use, I have the cultivate what matters um, planner. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that thing because it makes me track my habits daily. Like, did I drink my water? You know, I'm really good at checking off things if I have to. Um, and then just my Apple Watch, it reminds me to stand up, move, uh, get sleep, you know, stuff like that. So I would definitely refer to you on this question. But that's Oh, no, that's the perfect answer. Like the perfect mix of physical and digital. I love it. <laughs> How about your favorite go-to relaxation activity? Yeah. Like work wind down. Mm-hmm. For me, like in my living room with my family, my husband and my girls at the end of the day, we usually watch some kind of show, Wheel of Fortune or the Goldbergs is what we're watching now. Nice. We have popcorn and blankets and the dogs there. And for me, that's just the best part of my day and uh, the time where I know. It's like that part of the day where you made it. You're like, all oh, right, the end of the day, everyone's home, we're under the roof, we're here, we're healthy. And I just know I'm going to look back on that when I'm an old woman and just miss that. So Yeah, <laughs> it's like the little moments that sometimes matter the most. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we sign off today, why don't you tell our listeners where they can connect with you after the show and spam you with their uh, (laughs) email marketing tips that they've received to see if they're real or not? (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Yeah, so you can find me. um, My website is JennyRothCopywriting.com. I have a free like 15-minute masterclass on writing the email sequence we talked about here and a $27 template if you want to plug and go with that. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Jenny Roth Copywriting, and that's about it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on today, Jenny. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, Jade. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jade Boyd Podcast. If today's episode was helpful, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast today. 
Your reviews help more small business owners discover helpful episodes every week. And if you want more productivity and marketing tips, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadevoid.co. And lastly, don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources we discussed on today's episode before you go. I'll see you next time on the Jade Boyd Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.